This is Brett Hayworth, and welcome to What's the Frequency, our half-hour show that follows the exchange on Siouxland Public Media. Together, the two shows give you a variety of important information on key issues that impact our lives. In this episode, the state legislatures of all three Siouxland states are well into their second months, and we will check in on what's happening in South Dakota and Nebraska. We'll get back to Iowa in the next two weeks, where, like in the other states, there are lots of measures dealing with taxes, education, and social issues. Giving the lay of the land in Nebraska and South Dakota are some well-positioned reporters who daily cover their legislatures. Joining me today on What's the Frequency are Lee Strubinger of South Dakota Public Media and Paul Hamill of the Nebraska Examiner. We begin first in Nebraska, and thanks for joining me, Mr. Hamill. To go, I wanted to go first in the role of governor. Republican Jim Pillen is in his second year as Nebraska governor after eight years of Pete Ricketts. How would you describe his style in terms of being hands-on or hands-off and pushing to get his prime proposals? And is Pillen different from Ricketts in terms of like messaging or people skills and working with legislators? Oh, he's uh, he's very different. I think uh, you know Pete Ricketts was a a numbers wonk, and he could rattle off figures, studies, uh, ad nauseum. He never strayed from his script. I would say, uh, which you know is probably a good thing for a politician. You don't want to you know to speak, I guess. But uh, Jim Pillen, I think, is much different. I mean, he's a much friendlier guy. I mean, he'll. Uh, there's a little uh, cafe that's close to the Capitol, and, and Pillen will come over and rub shoulders with the senators and have a have a beer with them. And he'll walk out in the rotunda, and, and you know, he'll shake hands and, and talk to people. I mean, Pete Ricketts would, would march right through and go to his office. And, you know, his politics are uh, quite different. I mean, uh, Pete Ricketts uh, was not a believer in... Uh, any tax shifts and that's exactly what uh, jim pillen's trying to do this year right. with uh, property taxes in nebraska i mean he's saying huh, let's raise sales taxes to shift taxes off of property and and pete ricketts would never advocate for a a tax hike of any kind so it's, it's very different and um and pillen uh is not you know he's not a politician, so I don't I don't know if he just doesn't weigh these things out like like a, a Ricketts would have or a Dave Heineman would have, but you know he proposed uh, some uh, elimination of uh, tax exemptions for some businesses and even uh, farm farmers, which um, has been tried before and just didn't go anywhere. And Pillins is okay to tee it up again, and you know predictably a bunch of people turned up and say, well, this is a bad idea. It's going to hurt business. It's going to hurt my operation. Uh, don't do it, you know. So we'll see. I mean, he's a very personal guy. I think that wins him some points with people. But he's also very conservative, maybe even more conservative than Rickards. I mean, he's talking about cutting the state budget, not just holding the line on increases. Yeah. And we'll see how that, that comes out. So. Yeah. Well, let me, I have a couple specific uh, tax questions. So let's go to the one you mentioned first. Um, what is the status of his Pillen's proposal to reduce property taxes and replace that with revenue with a higher state sales tax? Well, it's really unclear. I mean, after two weeks of uh, public hearings on these proposals that uh, got a lot of pushback, you know, complicating things is that there's a group of Republicans and they're a small group who say, let's just do away with this current tax system. 
and let's charge a consumption tax, which would be really revolutionary. It'd be the only state in the country that would do that. But I, I don't think they're going to vote for any kind of tax shifts that Dylan is proposing. So there goes, you know, maybe five or six votes uh, away. And, you know, there's 16 or 17 senators in there that are Democrats that just aren't going to go for it. And, you know, you need 33 in the Nebraska legislature to overcome a filibuster. And I think he's going to have a hard time getting that. So I let me let me go there one follow-up on that beyond what like the senators have said about it do you have a grasp for how regular nebraskans view a swap of lower property taxes for higher sales tax the old saying is you need a crisis to change uh, tax policy you know did valuations go up yes did taxes go up um but not a lot i just don't see the regular Nebraskan, you know, with a pitchfork in hand, ready to burn down the Capitol over taxes. <laughs> I, just, I just don't see it. I mean, I think senators obviously hear from uh, constituents who, who say their taxes are too high. And, you know, I think farmers in Nebraska have a legitimate gripe, you know, during the, the previous recession, you know, ag land prices shot up and, and housing, housing prices didn't. So, I mean, there was a shift onto farmland. Yeah, I, I don't get a sense from regular Nebraskans that they are uh, that upset. And there's a there's a proposal to get rid of the Nebraska inheritance tax. Uh, their similar attempt failed two years ago. Is it basically the same proposal? And what do you think the outlook might be this time? A few years ago, they did try to you know uh, phase it out, but they didn't get that done. It just re- they just reduced the rate. So this this time around, they really are serious about phasing it out. And there's 24 senators are co-sponsors, so a majority of this, the legislature here is saying, let's get rid of this. And even the people, and the money goes to the counties in Nebraska, which is kind of unique. Right. And the counties uh, count on that. Uh, it's kind of special money or it's kind of a cash reserve. And counties use it to, you know, rural counties use it to put gravel on roads, and build new bridges. So... If this goes away, it's going to hurt the counties. But even they came in and said, you know, we don't like this tax, but we really need the money. Yeah. So come up with something that replaces the money. And they really haven't done that. So I think that one's got a shot. And you, you folks in Iowa just uh, were able to phase it out, I think, at the end of this year. So, right. you know, a lot of tail wagging the dog here. But, uh, you know, when Nebraska sees Iowa doing something, we gotta we got to kind of catch up. So. Right. I'm speaking here on What's a Frequency about the Nebraska Unicameral on legislative bills with our guest, Paul Hamill of the Nebraska Examiner. And I wanted to go exactly what, what you mentioned is there's some issues that are playing out in several of, of the states. We have three Siouxland states, Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota. One of those is education and including how to best, uh, how to better secure schools against shooting incidents. We had one in Perry, Iowa on January 4th. Two people were killed. I know there's a proposal to arm teachers in Nebraska. W- where does that now stand? I believe that bill's coming up this week and uh you know it's kind of split down the traditional uh lines you know people who want handgun control say that's this is another step to some problems you know i mean uh, could be accidental shootings uh you're arming people that aren't trained law enforcement uh something you know bad could happen of course the proponents say you know these schools are uh a long ways from 
uh, law enforcement in some rural places. So you need those. Uh, this is extra security. And, and Senator Brewer's bill this year, it's Tom Brewer's bill, um, would allow districts to uh, decide on their own. It wouldn't be a state mandate. It would be up to a, okay. a certain school district. So, um, you know, I think that, that's got a fair chance. I mean, there's a lot of momentum for gun rights these days. I mean, Nebraska became a constitutional carry state uh, last year, and, and this could be the the logical follow, I guess, just making schools, you know, harder to get into for somebody who wanted to do harm. Okay. And abortion remains a hot topic everywhere following the uh, U.S. Supreme Court ruling in 2022 that overturned Roe versus Wade and sent it back to the states. Uh, what have been the legislative talks about abortion in amongst Nebraska legislators this year? Well, there hasn't been much. I mean, uh, there's a petition drive underway to put it on the ballot and let people decide. And uh, I think people are kind of holding their breath to see what happens there. The, uh, of course, people who are against abortion say that the uh, ballot initiative goes too far. It's a, it's a viability bill, which is similar to what happened in Minnesota. And uh, I think the argument is, well, we had a 15 week ban. That seemed pretty reasonable. So I guess we'll see. I mean, it's, it's kind of moved outside the legislature because it's, uh, you know, likely to get on the ballot and, uh, you know, the voters will decide. And I'm speaking here again on What's the Frequency about the Nebraska Unicameral on legislative bills with our guest, Paul Hamill. He's a politics reporter for the Nebraska Examiner. And before I let you go, is there any other legislative topic that I haven't asked you about that you're tracking that you find interesting? Governor Pillen had opposed uh, taking some federal money for uh, summer uh, food programs yes. for low-income kids, and it would have put another forty dollars a month on these electronic transfer cards you get for groceries over the summer. And you know it was federal money, eighteen million dollars, and he said, "I, you know, I think that's a COVID thing, and we don't need to do it." And by the way, I'm against welfare which brought howls of protests <laughs> over the internet and in uh, letters to the editor column about Governor Pillen because he's a hog producer and guess what? He's a farmer and he's accepted, you know, farm payments, which, you know, some people argue is welfare. So today he reversed course. He said, we're going to, we're going to take the money. I've talked to a lot of people, talked to, uh, students and young people and uh, I care about kids so they are going to move ahead with that uh, it's going to be a little different they're going to try to uh, link up these families that are accepting the EBT money with uh, state workers and, and the workers will will try to encourage them to uh, get their kids into summer you know activities and classes and 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 camps and things like that so yeah, very interesting about faith. Uh, I think it's another re way in which uh, Governor Pillen is different from some of our past governors who would, you would be hard-pressed to think of them changing their mind about something. But Pillen did. Yeah, that's interesting because, of course, Kim Reynolds in Iowa, she also, uh, like a lot of Republican governors, uh, will not take that money. In. Yeah, I, I, he heard from a lot of people who said, look, if you care about kids, this this keeps kids you know, they can't learn if they're hungry. 
And I think he, he wanted to also to encourage them to get into these summer programs so, they, so they're not so isolated in the summer and maybe they uh, keep on learning in the summer. So, you know, he called it the Nebraska way. We're going to do it a little different, but uh, in the end they're going to take the money and, and hopefully uh, we'll see some results in that. So that was Paul Hamill. He's a reporter for the Nebraska Examiner. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Brad. Paul. I'm now joined on What's Frequency by Lee Strubinger a political reporter for South Dakota Public Media to similarly discuss high-profile measures being discussed in the South Dakota legislature. Thanks for taking time out of your very, very busy coverage, Lee. Yeah, yeah, totally. T- to begin, I think it's important for people to know that South Dakota is, a hu- is hugely Republican and the legislature is no exception. Republicans hold supermajorities, I believe, in both legislative chambers. So is it a matter that whatever Republicans want to do are slam dunks or have the last few years shown that's not quite exactly that smooth? Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, when you when you have such a large, uh, you know, presence in both chambers, there's going to be uh, different factions uh, within each party um, well, well, within the Republican Party. And, you know, there are a block of certain members that, Democrats are voting one way on a particular issue, especially in the House, um, and they don't have many numbers there, but they can sometimes uh, sway certain issues uh, that come up. Uh, education is another one that's discussed in many states, and in Iowa there is also a proposal by Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds to set a minimum yearly salary for public school teachers. In Iowa, the minimum number would be $50,000 annually. What's the dollar figure proposed in South Dakota and what's happening with that proposal? So we don't have necessarily a dollar uh, figure proposal. I do know that the governor has really wanted to focus in on teacher salaries. This is an issue that goes back um, quite a while now. When I first moved here was when the legislature ended up passing a, a half penny sales tax increase to help bump up teacher pay. We were Uh, last in the nation and we're kind of still towards the bottom we were bumped up there for a little bit but part of uh, the issue that's happened over the last several years is you know we've been increasing teacher pay but that hasn't also or we've been how we fund it it's not necessarily dollars towards teacher salaries dollars towards education and what school districts are also experiencing at the same time as trying to bump up teacher salaries is they're also experiencing increases in costs of operation. So a lot of the money is kind of going to that. What's maybe unique to South Dakota uh, as opposed to Iowa would be um, we fund education increases, state employee salary increases, and um, what something that we call community health care providers, kind of the sort of support staff in nursing homes, we tie uh, all of those increases to those sectors that state government funds uh, at the same rate. Okay. So and, and we call it here the big three. So a lot of the times we'll talk about the big three is proposed this year, particularly proposed to get a four percent increase. So that would be. increase for state employee salaries, 4% increase in money going towards education and school districts, and then healthcare providers. And so school districts have to come in and, um, you know, put that money towards what they have to put it towards. The governor would like to see more of that money going towards teacher salaries. 
and they're looking at putting some uh, accountability measures in place there. Thank you. I'm speaking here on What's the Frequency about the South Dakota Legislature chief issues with our guest, Lee Strubinger of South Dakota Public Media. Um, some governors are very hands-on when it comes to the legislature. Could you describe generally how does Governor Kristi Noem work in South Dakota? How, how, like how hard does she work concerning her top priorities? I, I think I recall that she attended a hearing last year. Yeah, so the governor was really involved last year coming out of her reelection for her second term. Um, she brought several proposals, one of them being the uh, prohibition of certain ag land purchases that we talked about earlier, uh, as well as um, here in South Dakota, we have sales tax on food. And one of her campaign promises was to remove that sales tax on food. And so when those particular ideas came up, you know, she was very involved and, and very uh, public about her you know, support for these issues and, and really trying to work lawmakers uh, on them. This year, she's sort of kind of dialed it back, I guess, on the specific proposals that she's kind of brought forward. I mean, obviously, she's bringing the foreign uh, ownership of ag uh, land bill back and some of those things. This is something I actually uh, talked with her about a bit of an exclusive interview. And so they're just what 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 Noam told me this go around was that, you know, her office is really more focused on the budget that they're putting together and that and that is um, where her uh, kind of priorities lie. One of the things that we're doing right now, especially as we've seen a lot of surplus um, dollars come in following a lot of the federal pandemic aid, is we're putting a lot of that the increase in extra sales tax collection revenue, we're putting that towards paying down for two new prison facility builds, one of them being a, a massive men's prison just outside of Sioux Falls. And then the other one being uh, an additional uh, women's prison facility uh, out in Rapid City. The men's prison right now, as it stands, is pretty pretty packed and pretty crowded. And it was built before South Dakota was even a state. So it is an outdated facility. The women's prison in Pierre, it is like way overcrowded. And so they've really buckled down the last three or four years to really put a lot of this money put it down to help pay off these prisons kind of going forward. And abortion remains a really hot topic after the 2002 U.S. Supreme Court ruling. Um, And then after last year's legislative session, now South Dakota has one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the nation. What have been some legislative talks about that topic? And there might be a ballot measure coming in November. Is that correct? Yep. So there might be a ballot question uh, on our November ballot to place what supporters say would codify um, the landmark decision, 1973 decision, Roe versus Wade, into our state constitution. The backers of that petition effort uh, say they have over and above the amount of signatures that are required. They say they've even verified those signatures required to get this placed on the ballot. There are some uh, efforts out there to allow, the, there are some proposals out there to allow people to maybe rescind their signature that they signed on a petition. So that's kind of one. It's not necessarily directly related to abortion, but um, definitely with that kind of issue in mind. Something that passed out of a a House committee that is a bill that would direct our State Department of Public Health to produce a video. And I want to make sure I get the language exactly correct here for you. They would uh, essentially produce a video, an informational video and other materials 
that would describe the state's abortion law and medical care for a pregnant woman who is experiencing life-threatening or health-threatening medical conditions. So our only exception is life of the mother. Right. And past efforts to kind of clarify what that line is uh, have gone down. Um, it, our abortion law really depends on where South Dakota right to life comes down on any kind of particular issue. Um, they're really the kind of go-to for lawmakers when it comes to um, how to approach this abortion issue. So this one would direct the state to produce this kind of informational video about about where that line is. Okay. And when will we know for sure if the ballot measure is indeed going in November? Oh, sure. Um, we have a deadline of early May uh, for them to submit those signatures. And I, I can I can almost guarantee you that those are going to be uh, scrutinized very closely, and if there's even you know a remote window of possibility for a lawsuit, um, but those will those signatures will probably end up being challenged. They might be submitted, but it could be a while before we know whether it'll make the November okay. ballot. And this is a kind of a ear ear to the ground question, Lee. There's been some surprises since the overturning of Roe versus Wade in other states that are. Um, you know, more red-leaning. Do you have any reason to suspect that if this would come before voters in November that South Dakotans might have a surprising outcome for this measure? This is something that I've been asking uh, a lot of people inside of the Capitol building, especially a lot of like longtime political observers. Would this actually pass if it, if it went before the voters? And a lot of people say yes. This is not. This will not be the first time that South Dakota has voted on abortion. And in the middle aughts, we actually voted on and rejected abortion restrictions that lawmakers passed during that session. So in addition to being able to amend our constitution and pass our own state statutes, we here in South Dakota, we can also refer a law that was passed in the state legislature and put the question of whether to reject that legislation that was passed on the ballot. Right. And so we've rejected some abortion restrictions uh, in the past. Ironically, the trigger law that we are uh, um, living under right now is actually something that uh, the state's voters have, have re- like they rejected it and then they came back in later and just kind of put in like a trigger law that if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, this will be the law of the land. So we've actually rejected this. So there is a track record of South Dakotans voting against abortion restrictions. I think the key difference to watch out in this particular instance is a rejection is a little bit different than a permissive. Yeah. Um, so I think that it will I think that will be kind of interesting uh, to sort of consider. But again, a lot of people I've talked to uh, who've observed state politics say that they think it'll pass uh, if it makes the ballot. But I wasn't here in the middle aughts when they were when they were uh, voting on those questions. But I have seen a documentary about it. And this was a hard, hard fought question. And it really, you know, was was a very um, yeah, it was very intense on both sides. So I expect that to really be the case here. Um, if we if we're considering it in November. Well, thank you for that, Lee. That's really good historical context. I appreciate you bringing that aspect up. And before mm-hmm. I uh, go with our guest, Lee Strubinger of South Dakota Public Media, 
This isn't a legislative question, but it is a political question. I'd like to end with a wider question about the 2024 presidential election. Um, Donald Trump appears smoothly headed for the Republican nomination, or semi-smoothly headed. There's speculation on his vice presidential pick. South Dakota's Christy Noem, she helped him prior to the Iowa caucuses. There was an event here in Sioux City that, that she came to. She was super well received. Do you believe that she is indeed in the top tier of possible uh, vice president's picks? And what would be some quali- her qualities that would help her or would hinder her? I think, I think without a doubt, she's, she is like within a consideration of that. And you have to look no further than just a couple weeks ago in the state legislature. Um, our uh, Governor Nome went down to the uh, southern border on a Friday over the weekend. And then that next week, she called for a joint session of the state legislature. And she gave this speech about what the state's response to kind of Texas's efforts down there would be. And, um, you know, really um, laid it all out just in terms of like what um, the executive branch would do, what she's kind of calling for, how they, how, how the state will assist, whether it's sending razor wire down to the border, participating in litigation. And she said she wanted to know what the rules of engagement would be uh, if the state's National Guard was down there at the border. Why do I say all of this? Because at the time that that speech started, her fundraising arm, uh, Christy Pack, her federal political action committee, sent out a text message saying, hey, my speech is starting. Click this link to watch it. You click the link, it takes you to her uh, fundraising page with, uh, through uh, WinRed. And so um, there was that. Also, earlier that day, for those of you on Truth Social, you would have noticed that the front runner that we're talking about, uh, former President Donald Trump, announced uh, Christy Nome's second autobiography book that particular morning. Okay. And so... <laughs> There were, there was this book announcement. There are a lot of these headlines about the southern border with her name attached to it, and this kind of fundraising link. And so, that you know, taken all together, sort of looks like yes, she's very much in this uh, particular conversation. The advantages, when I tell people, uh, when I'm not in South Dakota, that I live in South Dakota, a lot of people now know her she's a very frequent guest on fox news yep people always tell me hey we loved your governor so she has this like name recognition and you know she's a uh uh, the opposite gender as uh president trump is so she kind of brings a little bit of that um those are some of the advantages that she brings uh she looks really great riding on the frontier uh with a horse and a a cowboy hat um so she kind of has that uh like um that kind of uh image Uh, to work for it. As for disadvantages, she doesn't bring a lot uh, electorally speaking, right? We have three electoral college votes here in South Dakota. They're all guaranteed to go to Donald Trump um, no matter what. I think he won with like 60, 65% of the vote in 2020. So there is that kind of consideration as well. She would be a bit of an unconventional pick, but as we know, Donald Trump is an unconventional candidate. Um, so I think you kind of have all of those sort of at play when thinking about whether or not Christine Elm will, will be the ultimate pick. She did endorse him pretty early on in August uh, at a, at a uh, Trump rally here in Rapid City. So, um, yeah, she's definitely doing everything she can to, 
make sure that he gets reelected. And I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, Lee. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this edition of What's the Frequency? Many thanks to our guests, Lee Strubinger of South Dakota Public Media and Paul Hamill of the Nebraska Examiner to talk about the legislative topics in both those states. I appreciate the perspective that Paul and Lee delivered on such issues as income, sales, inheritance, and property taxes, on abortion-related discussions, and on teacher pay and ways to make schools safer in a big period of school shootings. Both the South Dakota and Nebraska legislatures have several weeks to go for lawmakers to kill or pass bills, and here on What's the Frequency and other Siouxland Public Media news shows, we will keep you on top of those moves as they happen. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next week. For Siouxland Public Media News, I'm Brett Hayworth. Oh, 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 o